I would hope that all of us could apply this to our to our own selves of what God has, I believe has provided or caused us to have these benefits that He has provided. So in the second chapter of the book of First Thessalonians, let me read for you here a few verses of Scripture, if we may. Very familiar to most of you. So in verse 13, where it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you unto salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, unto which he called you by our, our gospel, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which, which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even the Father, who hath loved us, and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. What I've just read for you is, again, a continuation, I believe, of the precious thoughts that the Lord had, not only of David, but we read about Job, we read about Paul, and even ourselves. But here he talks about Paul was caused to write this down. We are bound to give thanks. It's nothing, <clears throat> nothing short of being well placed under this obligation. God puts that power in them and causes them to do these things as far as being bound. May say we're handcuffed, we're tied up, but we're, he, they were bound to give thanks unto <clears throat> God. And I want to point this out at the outset of our message. I uh, started to make mention of, of this. Mike, well, might apologize to you because we're going to have the same message that we had this morning. And that message is on God. Doing all things, He's created all things, made all things, and everything is made for a particular purpose. And I hope to address this also later on in the message as well. But it is God who works all things after the counsel of His own will, as we read for you in Ephesians 1.11. Yeah, 1.11. And God it is who is doing all of this, these things. And He puts this in mind here, but we are bound to give thanks. In other words, we're caused to do this. And then he goes on to say, Brethren, beloved of the Lord. And then he tells us why we are bound to give thanks. And he describes this, and let me just read it for you, and we go want to go through this in order that we might point out, this is God's work from beginning to end. We are only recipients of his love, his mercy, and his grace. Nothing is based upon ourselves. Man taking the initiative or activating his free will, as they call it, or making a choice, doing the best they can, holding on faithful. None of that, Janice, is, is, is described in these verses of Scripture. It's God, because God hath from the beginning chosen you 
In other words, it was God who took the initiative. God didn't wait on man to meet qualifications. He didn't wait on man to be receptive to his will. He did this according to his will. And he chose them before the foundation of the world, that they should be holy and without blame before him in love. But he describes this here, he said, because God hath from the beginning chosen you unto this salvation. And you mentioned this even, Bill, in your prayer. This salvation is something that we have now. It's not something we have to wait on. We have been, uh, as, as I made mention many times, in the book of Matthew, the purpose of Jesus himself, whenever he was sent here by the Father, in Matthew, the first chapter and verse 21, he says, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That word save, Mike, means to deliver them. What are they delivered from? From sin. I realize so many people want to think, well, well, you might be, you might be all right today, but tomorrow you're going to fall into some sin. Well, hold your place here because I think it's very important that we're brought to understand, you see, that God it is who sent His Son to save us or deliver us from that sin. And here is the, I believe, the action of God described in the book of Romans, the sixth chapter. And I would you turn here and listen to what Paul was caused to write down that those ones to whom he said he sent his son to save them or deliver them from sin. What's going to be the result? Well, let me read it for you in Romans, the sixth chapter and verse one. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Bill, many times people have been accused, well, you do these things because you think you're under grace. And I realize, uh, I may, might, might mention this, whenever we were here before, you know, someone says, you're teaching people to go out and live the way they want to. Well, people do live the way they want to. But how they live is all described and all predetermined by God and ordered by God. I don't care what it may be. Every footstep, every blink of the eye, all of this has, has been determined by God. But he says here, shall we continue in grace that grace may, or shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Listen here what the answer to, to that question is in verse 2. And God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Phoebe, we're dead to it. It has no more, it has no power over us. And I realize I'm not talking on a physical plane, I'm talking on a spiritual plane. We don't walk in the sins of this world. I'm talking about walking in free will, free moral agency, keeping the law, holding on faithful to the end, giving man all the glory for what he is, what man has accomplished. We don't do that. We walk no longer in it. We made mention of it this morning as well. You remember when we made mention of John the 10th chapter. And let me just go and read this for you because 
I think it's so important that all of us are brought to understand through the scriptures that God it is who has, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but I want to point this out because I think it's so important that we're brought to understand that son was sent to deliver us from sin or to save us from sin. And we cannot continue in sin but because God forbids it. He's the one that has ordered it. In the 10th chapter of the book of John, let me start reading in verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Let me try to paint a picture if I may. Terry, what he's saying here, he said he called every one of his sheep by name. And let me point this out. Whenever he hollered for David, for Job, for Paul, for this one here, they followed. There was no resistance on the part of those sheep that were called out. He didn't make an offer and say, won't you just follow me? He called them out. And he told them what the result was going to be. He told them, Janice, he said, they're going to follow me. Here's my question. Tell me what path that the Lord Jesus Christ is on. Debbie, there's only one answer. He's on the righteous path. Well, what's behind him? Oh, his sheep. What path are they on? The same path that the Lord is on. The Lord put them on that path, and he called them out for that purpose. And what, he, what we're reading about here in the, book, in the book of Thessalonians, that we're bound to give thanks always to God because it was an action on his part. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. But he said, chosen you unto salvation. In other words, you have this deliverance because God has chosen you for that. And I realize so many want to think, well, what, what's going to be the result of that? I want to read for you what Peter had to say. In 2 Peter, let me find my verse. Maybe it's First Peter. First Peter, I'm sorry. The first chapter. And verse 2. Remember what he said. Because God has chosen us unto salvation. Here it says in verse 2. First Peter, the first chapter, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. In other words, these were chosen out or elected to this. What were they elected unto? Can we be on the right path today and then on the wrong path tomorrow? I would hope that God has caused us to recognize we're on that path that the shepherd is on. And he keeps us on that path. And what the result of that is joy, comfort, and peace 
on our, on our behalf and being brought to realize what God has preformed for us. But let me just read on in 1 Peter, the second cha- first chapter and verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood uh, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. They're an elect according to the foreknowledge of God unto sanctification and unto obedience. So I might ask the question, what's going to be the result of those ones who've been called out to follow the shepherd and to follow after him? They're going to be obedient. We may have a lot of different things as far as this physical life is concerned that we look and say, well, that's not quite right. But what I'm speaking about is that spiritual path that the Lord has placed us on. We're going, it's going to be an obedient path that he's chosen us, elected us unto. He goes on to state in here in, 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 our, in our text, in verse 13, he said, chosen us unto salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. In other words, God it is, that word sanctified means that he has set us apart. And I would hope that all of us are brought to realize, Mike, that we've been set apart. Not by our freedom of choice, not because of something we decided, but because of the power of God. We've been set aside. And I would hope that we're brought to realize that that setting aside is going to be successful. And here, as we even look at the word sanctification, I want to read this for you in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, starting in verse 14. He said, I have given unto them thy word, and the world hath hated them. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world and let me pause. I wonder, Claire May, why didn't he pray for us to take us out of the world? He could have. He said, Father, here, take them. But he said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. And my point is this. You see, he has a purpose for these ones to whom he's given that word to. That purpose is going to be accomplished not because of our freedom of will, not because of our determination, but rather because of what God has determined on our behalf. He goes on to state here, that I have given unto them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I'm going to read a couple other verses here, but let me point this out. The Lord said, Father, I pray you would sanctify them. Set them apart. Set them apart in what? In truth. The truth that we're brought to understand, buddy, is not something 
we have accomplished within ourselves. It's all by God's grace. Any understanding, any knowledge, any wisdom, Bill, that's a part of God's giving us that in order to accomplish His will and purpose even in us. He goes on to say here, and I'll, in verse 19, well, let me read verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. That word might is not a maybe. He said, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified as well. That's going to take place. And let me also add this because I think it's so important. In verse 18, and I would you look closely at this. When he says, as thou hast sent me into the world. Who sent the Son? God the Father. He sent him into the world. To accomplish a particular, well, a particular, I'll use the word works. But he was sent here to to do a particular job. To accomplish all the works that the Father gave him. You remember over in John the 6th chapter in verse 38. Where he said, I came down not from heaven to do my own will. But the will of him that sent me. In other words, he was sent here by God to accomplish a purpose, and that was God's will. And let me point this out. I hope this brings us to a great deal of confidence, a great deal of joy, and I might also add this. We also might boast in what the Lord has done for us. Because as he sent the Son into the world, he said, even so I send them in the world for the same purpose, in like manner. So this is what the Lord has done. In other words, He sanctified them. And He sanctified them, He said, through Thy truth. And He said, Thy word is, thy word is truth. And, but in our lesson here, He said, sanctified them uh, through the truth or a belief of the truth. Let me point this out because you see our belief is not something that we work up within ourselves. Some would want to think, well, we can believe anything we want. Bill, that's no further from the truth. You remember whenever the Jews approached Jesus in John the 6th chapter in verse 28 and 29. They came to him and said, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And let me point this out. If they knew what to do, they wouldn't be asking. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Janus, his reply was, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Our belief is a work of God. Anything that we're brought to understand or to know the wisdom that even that we have is a, is a direct work of God. And this is what he was stating 
here in, in even in our lesson, uh, uh, whenever he was speaking here, uh, let me read that for you again, if we may. Chosen, chosen unto salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And then he goes on to state here, in other words, we point, tried to point out, let me rephrase that. We were speaking in, in, in the manner of what God has accomplished pointing out what God has accomplished. Not only does he cause us to be bound to give thanks, but also because God hath chosen us in him. In other words, he's telling us why that we are bound to give thanks. And then he goes on to state about the process. In other words, he shows us a method or the process that he's determined for these ones to whom were chosen unto this salvation. And he states this here, unto which he called, in verse 14, unto which he called you by our gospel, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We made mention of that just a little earlier about calling his sheep by name. Those ones to whom he's chosen out. And I just wonder... How would each and every one of us describe those ones to whom we're chosen out and called? Say, well, they're pretty intelligent people. <laughs> they do a lot of great works. And I realize they do works. We'll talk about that in just a moment as well. But he said, how would we describe them? Well, Paul described it for us, and let me turn to it, if you would. I know it's very familiar to you. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And Debbie, this is how I would describe them. Just exactly the way that Paul described them. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren... How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are, are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are, uh, which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. If I was looking for one that's chosen by God, that's what I would look for. <laughs> Foolish, weak, not mighty, not noble. Being noble, Mike, is being noble within themselves. Look what I've accomplished. This is what, how the, the scripture describes these ones to whom, whom are called and are chosen out for this particular purpose, not only to be set aside and, and be, uh, by the Spirit, but also in belief of the truth. 
unto where he called you by our gospel to the attaining of our glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't call us out in order for us to be glorified. And we've ended up our message this morning in Ephesians, the first chapter, in verse 12. All the things that he spoke about in the previous before verse 12 of chapter 1 of Ephesians were all benefits, were all the works of God. We're blessed with all his spiritual blessings, chosen in him before the foundation of the world, adopted into his household, uh, made accepted in the beloved, made known unto us the mystery of his will, bound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, that we should be the praise of his glory, not our own, but his. Even these ones here to whom Paul was writing to, and I believe also to all those ones who have who been sanctified by God, set apart, and caused to believe the truth, all of these ones also, they're called in order that they might bring honor and glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Not ourselves, but rather unto him who hath made us what we are. And then he goes on to state in, in, in this, he said, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Stand fast. I realize when people read this, Sister Helen, they might say, well, see, it's up to us either to stand fast or fall down. Well, let me point this out. This is not an option. The Lord said, stand fast. I believe as Paul was called to write these down, they were words from God the Father directed towards those ones <coughs> pardon me, who has been sanctified by the Spirit and caused the belief of the truth and been called out unto His glory. All these ones here that He speaks about, they're going to stand fast. We might even look at the Apostle Paul. And let me just read a couple of places if we may. I don't know whether or not we made mention of it this morning, but in first in the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter and verse 5, the Lord made mention of this whenever He spoke about the branches, the vine and the branches. But He told us in verse 5, Without Me, ye can do nothing. In other words, without his power, without his strength. In the book of Philippians, the 14th, 4th chapter, and verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. So we have only strength because it's God who gives us that strength. We don't have that within ourselves. We are only tools and instruments in the hand of God. And whenever he says, stand fast and hold those traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And I might point that out, Bill, it's whether 
whether you hear the words or whether you read the epistles. But it is God who enlightens us to give us that understanding of these things that, that are not only spoken, but also things that, uh, that, are, that are written. Now our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 16, Himself and God the Father, even even our, our God, even our Father, who hath loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. And I might make mention of this because I think it's so important that we have an everlasting consolation. It's been given to us. It's not something that we've earned. It's not something that we deserve but rather something that has been given to us by not only Jesus Christ, but even God the Father, given us an everlasting consolation and good hope. Through grace. The hope that we have, and I'm not talking about a wish. A lot of things I wish for, they may, not be, they may not come to pass. But those things, Bill, that the Lord has caused us to hope for, it has a basis. And what it has a basis on is what we read this morning, God's promises. His vow that I believe He has placed upon us. All of these things are accomplished with, with God and He's the one that is going to give us everlasting consolation of good hope. Verse 17. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He didn't say that you would, your heart would be of fear. Being in a stew, so to speak. But he says here, that you that comfort your hearts. And let me just state this because I think it's so important that we're brought to understand. In fact, I was reading this afternoon. We were talking about the name of the individual that spoke years ago. Finally seen his name. But he made mention of you have to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, all thy mind. And he based that upon you activating it. We only love, as we read for you this morning, I believe, we only have this love because God it is who directs that love into our hearts. And that love is going to cause us to walk in that path of obedience which we've been elected unto. And he goes on to state here in, in this, comfort your hearts. Not in turmoil, but rather having comfort. Not only having comfort, but establishing you. In other words, putting you in, into exactly, I believe, the course, the process that God has determined for you to walk in. And then he goes on to state here and establish you in every good word and work. 
You know, what's our assurity? Many times I think, you know, what can you speak to the people? I always come up with the same answer. Don't ask me why. <laughs> what are you going to speak to them about? Oh, about God and his works. I don't care what it is. All of that is going to, to be brought to pass exactly the way that God has determined. In every good word and work. Let me ask you a question. Do we have an assurance of this? Well, let me just read about the words first, if we may. If you would, turn with me to Matthew, the 6th, the 10th chapter. I want to read to you just a few verses of Scripture here, and it's also recorded other places as well. But here he makes mention of this. In verse, well, let me just read verse 16, starting in verse 16 of Matthew, the 10th chapter. Behold, I send you forth a sheep. Let me pause. We read for you over in John, the 17th chapter and verse 18, as thou hast sent me in the world, even so I sent them. The Lord had a purpose when he sent these ones. He said, I send you forth a sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they deliver you, for they will deliver you up to the counselors, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And, they, and ye shall be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, my Bible says, be not, be not, be not anxious. Yours might say, take no thought. Be not anxious, how or, wh or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it, for it is not ye that speaketh, speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaketh in you. In our lesson, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Bill, let me ask again. Brethren, how we know we're going to have the right words. Don't depend on this individual here. But I depend on him who gave me the words to speak in order that he might be lifted up. I'm very thankful for that. But establish you in every good word and work. Let me close our message with the work. Someone think, we've got to get in there and do this, do that. Oh, I'm anxious about the work. I want to know what it is. But how do I know it's going to be accomplished? Is it because of what I have determined? Or is it because of what God has determined? And I hope, Phoebe, we know the right answer. We brought to know the right answer. It's the latter. Let me read for you in the book of Psalms, the 90th chapter. Verse 
So many people want to think, well, you're not, are we doing enough? Are we accomplishing what we should be? Here in our lesson, he said, establish you in every good word and work. Is God going to be able to accomplish that? Does he leave it up to us and say, well, only if we let him? He's going to accomplish that. Let me read for you in Psalms, the 90th chapter. And verse 17. And let the beauty of our God be upon us. And establish thou the works of our hand upon us. Yea, the works of our hand establish thou it. Let me tell you, I'm not dependent upon myself. To complete any work at all. All of it has been prescribed, designated, and also is being brought to pass according to God's will. This is why I say that, that comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Let me look here at to add this in, I may have forgotten it whenever I was talking about, about all of God's work. When we was talking about strength, and I want to point this out, but I want to read another one of the verse of Scripture. Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Let me pause. All of this is according to his riches, his glory, not ourselves. Then he goes on to say to, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. We stand fast because of the strength that God has placed within us. Not on this outward man, because this outward man is nothing but deteriorating. But he's talking about the inward man. We're a lot stronger today than we were yesterday. And hopefully be stronger tomorrow than we are today. But it's God who brings all these things to pass. Let me close my message with this verse of Scripture, and I know you... I've spoke about it many times and probably spoke to you people as well. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Are we going to be able to accomplish that? If we are, he's going to make us able. In the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 10. For we... Let me just talk about what we talked about this morning. For Gene is his workmanship. And I hope you all can apply that your name as well. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I have a great deal of comfort because I know I'm his workmanship. Being created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that they can walk in them. I know I've asked this question before, but let me do it one more time. If God predestinated this individual here to do 10 works, could he do 11? Debbie couldn't do it. You're going to do exactly what he has determined. Am I going to fall short and do nine? Sister, we're going to do exactly that amount that he has determined for us. So I have a great deal of comfort, a great deal of joy and peace in knowing that God it is who works all things after the counsel of his own will, and by his grace, I am what I am. We're dismissed.